This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Monday, May the 20th, I'm your host, DA. And finally, somebody won a conference finals game that wasn't Golden State or Milwaukee. The Toronto Raptors were down 2-0. The Portland Trailblazers are down 3-0. But finally, Toronto broke through and got a Game 3 victory in double overtime at home to have that series now at two games to one. Milwaukee tried to steal that road game to take complete control of the series, but could never, quote, get over the hump. Here's Chuck and Winkler on 105.7 in Milwaukee on the Bucks' attempt but failure in Game 3. They were in this game. They just couldn't really get over that hump. I think when we talked last week a lot, the phrase was punch in the face with Celtics-Bucks. The phrase you're hearing a lot uh, today is, couldn't get over the hump because, well, the Bucks couldn't. They had plenty of chances to take a lead. They were tied plenty of times. They were down one or two points plenty of times, took three-point shots, missed. There were so many possessions. I'd say off the top of my head there were at least 15 possessions where the Bucks had the chance to take the lead and they couldn't get a shot to fall, and then Toronto would extend it. Finally, after 2 nothing, the Bucks did retake the lead at 105-103, but by that time the guys were in some foul trouble and Toronto was able to take the lead again and then and then keep it that way. It just seemed like if the Bucks could get a lead, they could win this game. They pushed it to a couple overtimes without even taking a lead at any point until that second overtime, I do believe. So it was a frustrating game by all accounts. I think as far as a Bucks fan goes, this maybe was the most frustrating game that I've watched, if not in a long time ever, just because there's that goal, there's that goal, there's that goal, and it's like Charlie Brown with the football – Every time you think you're finally going to kick it, you know, Lucy takes it away from you. And it just it felt like that continually last night. Yeah, it's uh, probably the most, maybe one of the most frustrating playoff games uh, uh, that I've seen in the Bucks. I mean, you know, there's a large gap of no playoff games or intriguing playoff games. But, you know, I'm thinking back to the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, there was a little run with the, the Pacers and the, and the, and the, the Sixers, obviously, uh, 2001. But... That's one of them. This is a frustrating game. You know, you look at, you know, there's probably maybe one or two things that came out good of last night's game. Uh, Namely, George Hill played well and uh, Malcolm Brogdon. But, I mean, the team as a whole, they were 22-33 for the free throw line, 67%. That's uh, not good enough as an NBA team. Shooting 67% for the free throw line. And and Giannis, 2 of (sighs) 7. Again, I, I don't know if I want to harp on this, but I don't want to feel your reaction on this. But 
when he goes to the free throw line, you just don't feel like boom, he's going to knock both of those down. You, you, I, I feel like man, if you just get a split of those free throws, and I hate feeling that way about the best player in the league, but man, the guy can't hit free throws. When's the last time you saw a free throw get airballed? Yeah, I mean that's that, he's too good of a player to be doing those sort of things, and I know he works on it. He works and he works and he works, but when he's going to the free throw line, and he, now he missed two, he went. Back-to-back misses, and I think it was in the overtime, or it might have been late fourth quarter. Back-to-back misses, yet they had a tap-out and kept possession. But those are killers right there. And not only on the scoreboard, but they're killers to your team when you're at the free-throw line, and you know it just kind of cuts the heart out of you when you can't make a free-throw. I think it's going to be okay for Milwaukee. The Bucks are the better team in this series, and they showed that in games one and games two, and certainly they're not out of the woods yet. But I think when all is said and done, the Toronto Raptors are just not supporting Kawhi enough to give him a real decent chance at winning a full series. They're just not giving him enough. Kawhi's having to do too much, and the other contributions are far too inconsistent. Kawhi's been amazing, but Milwaukee's a better, deeper team, better coached, and they're going to end up winning this series and head to the NBA Finals against the Warriors. The only question is, does Golden State win in four or five? Because there's no way this series is going beyond that. Right now, it's a 3-0 series lead, and the Trailblazers had their shot in game number two on the road at Oracle and couldn't close the door when they led by 17 points. Draymond Green has been playing out of his mind and taking this team to the next level. Here's Joe Lowe and Dibs at 95.7 of the game in San Francisco. The buzz is very real. The jerseys seem to come out in the city a little bit later than they have in the past. People wearing the flair, the gear, but by and large, they seem to be on board. That was another huge game. We've got game four tonight, and no one was bigger than Draymond Green in game three at all. 20 points, 6 of 12 shooting, 13 boards, 12 assists, 4 steals, 1 block, plus 16 in 38 (laughs) minutes. His game is on a completely different level right now, Dennis. It's just hilarious when you watch him play, when you actually see what he does, whether it's the defense, the rebounding, the assists, the breakneck speed with which he brings the ball into the front court, and you can't help but really enjoy the style that they're playing. Put aside the, the KD component and what they are when he comes back and what Draymond is, you have to just look at Draymond Green and realize that in a year and a series or a series and a half, he'll be a free agent and you wonder what the future might hold as we start to prioritize Warriors. He has to move up your chart when you watch him in this series. He, he, he does, no doubt. And, and yesterday, the, the day before, Joe, when that game happened at halftime, I would go right to, my, right to my line, sports line. It's four, the Warriors minus four, and it's 112. Absolutely bomb it again in that second half. I'm like, there's no way. They're down by 15. They they have too much heart. And I'm like, I didn't know if they were going to win the game, but I knew that you they would come back and cover the four. Cover the four. And I said, no way. Is this Lostradamus be, here. No way it's going to be 112. So I, I did, Joel, on that You went one. under the 112? Under the 112, and I parlayed it. And oh, my God. I went back. For those at home who can't see, which I is all of you, Lowe's got a huge stack said, of cash let me go on him right see now. My book, my book, let me go get my cash. There are rubber got, bands there. I got some Anytime bands. there's a rubber band involved, you know you're in I good shape. I got my envelope. I, it was a good week. I'm telling you, last week was a good league for the big fella. That's the envelope filled with cash. This is not a bit. So I did not see that coming. Yeah, I, I wanted to come in. And, are you and, sure you want to carry that much cash around? Because a little guy like it. you might get jumped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd be waving hey, that around in this Jody, room. There's Jody. some bad men in here. Impressive. <laughs> You've been on one, but it's always nice to see the fruits of the labors as well. Exactly. Very nice. Thank I'm you for like, showing, showing me that. I feel so good.
Good morning, I feel so Daniel. good for How you. you. <laughs> Just another humble brag from our resident one percenter. Coming in all crinkle, crinkle, little star. It felt good. It felt good. It, Joe, you know it feels good to go pick that up. It just, of course. Yeah. It also feels good to talk about Draymond Green's big night. Oh. And somehow you turn it into oh, your big night. Sorry, Draymond. You know, uh, I'm, thinking, you know, I'm thinking Draymond. That, that triple double clearly not all that impressive compared to Lowe betting the Warriors in the second half. Just, just, just thoroughly. Seven triple doubles. For Draymond, career in the postseason, the rest of the franchise, the rest of the Warrior franchise in history, just six postseason career triple-doubles. Draymond, after the game, had some great comments. This is in regards to why you don't see him fighting with officials as much, picking up as many technicals as we saw earlier. I realize, you know, like, how impressionable uh, the the kids are at the ages they're at. And, uh, you know, just really want to be a good example for them and show them the right thing. Like, my son was playing, like, he was shooting and flopping. I said, yeah, you got to stop watching NBA. <laughs> shooting and falling on the floor, like, oh, daddy, help me up. It's like, no, gee, what you flopping for? But, no, it's just, like, you know, really impressionable at this age, and I want to make sure I'm, I'm setting a good example for them as well. He also went on to talk about the fact that he had looked back on earlier in the series, probably the Houston series, because everyone was guilty of this. It's not just him. But just that there was too much crying and not enough playing. So he decided to just focus on playing. And he he is putting up, I've got a page of Draymond Green stats, some of which don't even seem realistic. I mean, just for example, uh, in Game 3, the Warriors were 12 of 23 shooting off of his passes. 12 of 23, that's over 50%. Now, he has created 205 assist opportunities this postseason. Only Jokic from Denver's created more. The Warriors are shooting 59% from the floor off of his passing. 59%. That is incredible, the attention he's garnering right now. And then the coup de grace, so to speak. His rankings in Game 3. So just take Game 3 what you saw. Draymond Green ranked first in points in the paint with 12. First in assists with 12. First in in assist opportunities with 23. First, in field goal attempts defended at 19, so he's doing it on both ends. First, in rebounds at 13. First, in steals at 4. That's all the Blazers players, all the Warrior players. In Game 3, he ranked first in those six categories. And he's not the tallest guy on the court. No! Isn't it amazing, though, when you watch Draymond get a rebound, he's not dribbling slow he, he is the most active guy in the whole NBA. No one wants to get out. I, I don't care. You go. You name me a guy in the NBA, once they get a rebound, they push the ball like Draymond. Draymond's consistent in, win, in which the way he goes about his business. And I think this is good for the team. I think this is great for KD. I think it's great for the whole team. If KD comes back, whether his calf gets healed or not, um, whether he decides to play. Because now you get to see what value – Draymond brings if everyone buys into it. When you know he's going to push, if guys are moving, he's going to find you. He is going to find you. You look at Draymond, what his value is through the Richter. It's not that they can't, they're not better with KD. I get that. But if everyone buys into everyone's strengths, this team can be unstoppable, especially when Draymond's pushing it and then everyone's moving and doing what he does because he puts so much pressure on the opposition with the layup and going to the hole. And if not, if they, if they finally get back there, he kicks it out. It's a wide-open three because in which he comes up the court. I just think that it's great for everyone around to watch this guy and say, man, if we want to be better, when KD comes back, 
We got to continue to push the ball. We can't go slow, bringing, especially when Draymond in transition. That's when he's most deadly. Draymond's easily hateable, no doubt about it, but he's at a different level right now. He's playing elite basketball. And without Kevin Durant, it seems like both he and Steph Curry have been liberated to kind of play their game and play at a breakneck speed. And with KD, they couldn't really do that. Obviously, they won two championships anyway, but... When they are playing at this crazy hyperspeed, Draymond is at his best because he can do things that other forwards simply can't at that speed, at that tempo, and he's showing it in this series. On the baseball side, boy, the New York Mets have been such a disappointment. What an embarrassing series in Miami over the weekend, getting swept, and their ace, Jacob deGrom, last year's Cy Young Award winner, getting shelled by the pathetic Marlins, one of the worst teams in all of Major League Baseball, perhaps the worst. And their GM, the Mets, Brody Van Wagenen, had been front and center in front of the microphones and media all offseason, telling everybody they were the favorites of the National League East, and they were going to be contenders. He talked a big game, but the Mets aren't backing it up. And here's Mike Francesa on WFN in New York saying, can't hide anymore. Hey, Mike, about the Mets, about Jed Lowry, Mike. Yeah, that's been a disaster. That's been a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I heard, he, I heard he had two hits in like 48 seconds. He did. He's been a disaster. I think they put him back because he wasn't hitting. That's what I thought, Mike. Thanks. Uh, that's what I thought. I think so. I think they were afraid to bring him to the majors. I, I mean, he, he's, been, he's been awful. That, was, that right now has turned out to be a terrible signing. A terrible yes. signing. Yes. That's killing them. That's another player they thought was going to be in the mix this year. Has done absolutely nothing. They talked about their versatility. They have no versatility. Nope. They have no versatility, and they're getting nothing out of their veteran players. This has turned. See, this is what we talked about. Now you're going to find out what kind of general manager and leader Brody's going to be. Brody was everywhere, had his picture taken everywhere, ran up to every microphone. And now he's starting to play the invisible game. He can't play the invisible game now. He's got to be front and center and take his lumps and realize when your team's going bad, you got to be out there and talking about your team. And you can't come out and tell everyone they're going to win and not make any moves because no one's going to buy that. They're going to think you're a fool. You already made a proclamation of how good the team was, and now the team's tanking. you got to get the job done. You got to make moves. Now, I like, the, I like the fact he went and got rid of Broxton and brought up DeGrom. I thought that was a good move. I mean, and brought up uh, uh, Gomez. I thought that was a good move. I thought that made sense. Don't sit there and do nothing. The one thing I'll say about uh, Brody that I like is he's been proactive. He has not sat there and done nothing. He has made moves. But if you're going to be the front guy in spring training and take every picture and make every headline and make every comment, you can't hide now. And that means when we ask for him this week, he's got to come do the interview. Mike is right about that. Van Wagenen wanted to change the narrative of the Mets in the offseason. That's fine. He wanted to create a bit of a swagger and a confidence and get fans on board. And this is his first shot at running a Major League Baseball team. All right, fine. But at the end of the day, this is a roster that is once again showing its flaws and a manager showing his flaws. And Brody Van Wagenen should not have said so much about it. You know, it was just kind of crazy that in the offseason before the Mets had done anything, you had a GM kind of pointing at the rest of the division saying, come get us. Man, careful what you wish for. And Brody is now understanding why it was a problem to do it that way before you really even had a contender on your hands. 
One of the biggest stories of the month has been John Beeline leaving Michigan after 12 years to take the Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching job. So John Beeline joined 97-1, the ticket in Detroit, WXYT and Jamie and Stoney. And those guys obviously covering Michigan hoops and Michigan sports very closely. So they had John Beeline on. And they posed the question whether college basketball, in the middle of this FBI investigation for the last couple of years, has been so tainted that it is encouraged or was the catalyst behind John Beeline leaving. And as you listen to this, listen to John Beeline's non-answer. What about, you know, the the FBI investigation of college basketball, the general sleaze, to a, a lack of a better word, of college basketball? You, obviously, uh, everybody, the cleanest guy in college basketball, squeaky clean. Did the fact that the, the sport itself is being scrutinized so much, did that turn you off and lead you to the uh, NBA? Again, again, another another time for that, that maybe I can, I can assist some way and, and just, you know, the college been, basketball has been so good to, to, to me personally, and obviously my family, and to our to our team. Anybody that's played at Michigan or West Virginia, Richmond, Canisius, Lemoyne, they've all, it's been really good to us. So uh, it, it, we all, all college basketball goes through some some changes here and there, and that will stand it again. But I think um, there, there there are changes that that have to be made. Uh, but let's talk about Chad Tuff. Let's talk about Chad Tuff, about, we, about uh, the, 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 the Champions for Change Gala. Okay, can we, do, can we talk about that and then talk a little bit more about Michigan? Because <laughs> 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 we do have a couple more questions. But let us, let's talk about that. It is, uh, it's an amazing cause. Obviously, there was such an outpouring of emotion when, when Chad yeah. uh, Carr was diagnosed with this, and you were at Michigan, you saw all that, and, and uh, unfortunately, he passed away. But they gave, gained so many followers, so many fans. I mean, a I remember, uh, you know, the Don Brown colored his mustache orange and uh, Chase Winovich colored his hair orange. What is your involvement with the Carr family been like in your time at Michigan? And, and why do you feel so strongly about this cause to, to stay on and, and share the event, even <laughs> though you have taken this job with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, they're, they're, uh, that's a no brainer. I mean, when you make a commitment to do something of this magnitude, these, these are the big things in life. Right. Forget about. You know all the, the the big games that you think you have. These are the big things in life. When when you can have a, a purpose like this, so Kathleen and I are the chairs. That that was never thought of one second. That hey, we we're, we're going to be too busy to do this. Uh, this this is a priority for us. Um, I have a, a when I just when you make an obligation like that, you you fulfill them um, through, and and make sure it gets done. So no, when I first got to to Michigan. You know, that was one of the uh, first things I wanted to do. I said, introduce me to Lloyd Carr. And we walked over to see Lloyd. And uh, I've been around a lot of football coaches. I love, I like them all. Uh, Lloyd was really special to me. Uh, he was really just, he gave me great advice, you know, about being myself and do the right things. Because they were winning. Hockey was winning. Softball was winning. And I asked for advice from all those people, how you do it at Michigan. But then the, the Carr family, um, Jason worked with, worked with my son Mark for a little bit, for John Wangler. Uh, they're, they're all the, Tammy, uh, Tammy's kids are all my daughter's uh, uh, children's ages, and they live in the same na- uh, neighborhood. So we got to know each other. It was like two families that just were uh, a lot in common. Been, <laughs> their parents were coaches, or their, or their grandparents were coaches, and we just connected. And then when all of this happened uh, to Chad, uh, it was it, it it took all our hearts away. 
and now let's let's at the same time at the same time I had one of my great players at Richmond, Scott Unger, lose his little boy at two years old to a different type of brain cancer, and um, so it just when it hits you like that, right in the heart, right in the gut, you say, "What can I do?" And this is part of it. Man, I think that John Beeline not answering that question is answering that question. I mean, I I know that Beeline has a lot of appreciation for what the game has given him and, and mentioned in this interview how well he has been paid and that it has helped him and his family and coaches should be very happy with the pay stub. But Beeline is a non-scandal guy, and he's been a two-college basketball Final Fours and National Championship games one of which he lost to a team that basically had to trade in its national championship because it was cheating so badly in Louisville. So the fact that he didn't comment on that makes me feel like that is a total legitimate part of this. Getting out of college basketball as the CD side of college basketball is getting exposed and threatened to bring everybody down, including clean guys like John Beeline. In the NFL, the Chiefs lost Kareem Hunt in the offseason, allowed him to walk away, ends up with the Browns after his violence against women situation in the hotel. And now you have the Tyreek Hill situation with violence against perhaps his wife, girlfriend, and also child. So with the Chiefs, what do they do with Tyreek Hill? We don't really know yet. We don't know what the NFL will do with Tyreek Hill. But Chiefs fans are saying they're sick and tired of talking about it. However... Show and Vern on KCSP, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, saying uh, the numbers say otherwise, Chiefs fans. But I, I did want to say this because we're getting still a lot of reaction coming in about the USA Today article, or at least the USA Today headline that, again, read, uh, no franchise um, in the NFL has um, you know more brutal a more brutal history of domestic violence than the Kansas City Chiefs. Getting a lot of response still in on that. It's, yes, a misleading headline. Yes, it's clickbait, but it's also on doorsteps or computers, uh, newsstands all across the country. Uh, that, that, that's in the print version of the USA Today. And, and got a few people here on the text line telling me, um, tired of the Tyree Kill talk. And, you know, I like to think I'm above the fray. I like to think that I am a uh, progressive, that I'm um, someone that's not going to give uh, hot takes or, or just talk about something because it causes outrage. But I, I don't like to think of myself as just just a radio host that says something to an, to elicit a visceral reaction. But man, I'll tell you this. In today's world, in 2019, we have the best ways, the best tools to gauge interest. You know, ratings, obviously, and hasn't been great for us here on Show and Vern, but whatever. But social media, you can you can clock the eyeballs, the clicks, the interaction, likes, dislikes. Favorites, retweets, so on. Man, Kansas City, you love talking about Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs are such topic A, B, and C in Kansas City. And I know that from having lived there and worked there. That a Chiefs team being in the AFC title game for the first time in more than two decades 
of course, people have it on their mind. And Tyree kills a big part of that team. And even if they're tired of the domestic violence part of it because it's not sports, it still wraps up into whether the Chiefs can win and whether they can win with him or without him. And with that as the backdrop, Chiefs fans are so passionate and so knowledgeable and love their team so much and so desperate for a winner that it's going to be a part of the conversation whether people don't want to talk about it or not because they're going to have to talk about it. And finally, staying in the AFC, the AFC North, we have the existing power, which has been the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have the fading contender, which was the Cincinnati Bengals, and now a new contender in the Cleveland Browns. And people are talking about the Browns as the next dynasty, perhaps, and a Super Bowl contender. But how about the Baltimore Ravens, who actually made the playoffs last year, and a team that should be considered a contender, shouldn't they, in that division? Can the Ravens crash the AFC North party? Here's the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7, The Fan in Baltimore. Ravens with some activity over the weekend. We talked about Pernell McPhee Friday, but what we did not have a chance to talk about because it happened after the fact, they went out and got Michael Lloyd, veteran wide receiver, and Shane Ray, a player who has shown some promise with the Denver Broncos but just can't stay healthy. A guy that I love coming out of Missouri. Got a chance to watch him play um, when as Missouri moved to the SEC. He, his career high 2016 with eight sacks. He's only 26 years old. That's it. Just turned 26, I believe, a couple of days ago, maybe after they signed him. So he's still very young, Ed. And, again, he has tremendous potential. He's a first-round draft pick in 2015. He just has to stay healthy. And I'll say the magic words. If he can stay healthy, he could be huge for the Ravens for years to come at 26. Yeah, it's getting a guy under that, that far into 30 is a big deal to me. So, And, again, I mean, all these athletes, you know, it's, it's always the, uh, the health factor. If he can stay healthy, he could be an asset for a long time. Because getting some, I, I was actually surprised. I'm used to getting guys with 30, 31. Yeah. You know, yeah. get somebody, in the, you know, really the prime of his career. It's a big deal. Taking a fly on him is not a bad thing to do. And by the way, his birthday was Saturday. I knew it was, it was recently. I, I love this signing, uh, Jerry Coleman. These are uh, low risk and high reward signings. And these guys, some of them, as you said, former first round picks have become NFL journeymen. So. This is kind of the last stop, and the team worked out a bunch of guys, including John Bostic, uh, the inside linebacker who started 14 games in Pittsburgh last year. But there's a reason they're available at this juncture of the offseason. Why? What reason? Because teams don't covet them, because they haven't produced of late. And again, they've been NFL journeymen like Michael Floyd, who has floated around. What is he on? It's like fifth team already? Well, I think with Michael, I think the signing, the Michael Floyd signing, is a little different than the Shane Ray signing. And the How reason, so? Well, I think the Michael Floyd, the Shane Ray is a guy that they probably believe can really be at the front end of their pass rush. Michael Floyd is, I think, if he's not thirty, he'll be thirty during the season. I don't think they are they are going to depend on him to be a guy at the front of the wide receiving core. I don't think so. I think he's a guy that they believe they can come in to add some veteran presence to a young receiving core. Um, he may mark the end of uh, Willie Sneed, um, but I, I think he's the guy that's coming in the room to add veteran presence. I think Shane Ray is the guy that they're hoping it could be the future. I don't think they're hoping on the future with Michael Lloyd, Michael Floyd. 
Yeah, it's amazing all the wide receivers that have been brought in and how much the room has changed from a year ago. Uh, Ray has had, as you know, the wrist surgeries that really have slowed him down right. and the fact that he just hasn't gotten to the passer. I know he's only 26, but he had just 26 tackles and a pair of sacks in 19 games over the last two years. 14 career sacks for a guy who was a first-round draft pick. So if he wants to resurrect his career, this would be a great time. Yeah, yeah. again, 26, uh, wrist injuries. I'm glad it's not knee injuries or anything like that. Hard to get by offensive linemen when you can't swim and use your hands. Absolutely. It's tough to do it. There's a lot of hand fighting. But I'll take the wrist injuries, Ed, over the ankle and and, and knee injuries. You know, so, um, again, I think – if if he you, if he could ever see his full Michael Michael Floyd has seen his full potential, he's been as mm-hmm. good as he's ever going to be. Uh, you could argue that if healthy, Shane Ray has not been as good as he's ever going to be yet. I think it's a low risk, high reward sign. People are giving the Cleveland Browns way too much credit too too soon. I mean, this is a team that was two years ago zero and sixteen. They haven't been 500 yet. They've got a first-year head coach and volatile personalities with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield, amongst others. I know there's a lot of reason for hope, and that's a wonderful football town that wants a winner, just like Kansas City. But let's not put the cart before the horse here, everybody. That is still a franchise that needs to prove that they're a winner before we should just put them in the Super Bowl, which so many people want to do because they are the hot new That's the best in your sports talk for Monday, May the 20th. We'll see if there's a sweep tonight in the Western Conference Finals. See you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 